0: And that's where he puts the building blocks. He says that this entire book is based on one Pasuk in the Torah. Which Pasuk? The pasuk Kikarov elecha hadavar Ma'od Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people um, before he passes away in Paschus Nitzavim. He says many times we might think that Torah Mitzvah is difficult, it's far out, it's out of our grasp out of our reach. Says Moshe Rabbeinu no, don't say that. Rather Kikarov elecha, it's close Hadovar, to, 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 um, to observe Torah Mitzvahs is accessible and attainable for every person. B'ficha, verbally. Bilvavcha, emotionally. And so in action. Which means there's three parts of serving Hashem. There's the verbals. We say words of Torah, words of tefillah, words of prayer. There is emotions. Love of Hashem, and fear of Hashem, simcha. And there is action. Most of the mitzvahs are, act- are actually action-oriented. Now different people struggle with different areas. Some find most difficult the emotions. So we have emotions um, again the avas Hashem, love of Hashem, fear of Hashem. Others action is difficult. Others the verbals of davening and learning Torah is difficult. And Moshe Rabbeinah says everything is within our grasp. Nothing is out of our reach. We're able to be a full servant of Hashem, a full yid. Um, and that's Koro e'lecha ha'dover ma'od. Says the Alter Rebi in his title page of Tanya, that I'm writing this book to explain and show how. How is it so in the grasp of every person? Um, especially the more difficult parts, especially when it comes to the emotions, how can every person attain um, love of Hashem and fear of Hashem and the ability of perseverance of doing Torah mitzvahs you know, every day um, to be on our game, so to speak, and be yidden the way Torah prescribes. And that's what he wants in the Book of Tanya. So in the beginning of the Book of Tanya, he uh, describes that there's the godly soul and animal soul within every person. And he brings that from the Arizal. The Arizal, who's one of the foremost uh, Mekubalim or Kabbalists of all time, talks about the fact that every Jew is actually made up of two souls. And each one has a full life system. You could live with a godly soul, you could live with an animal soul. But we have within ourselves two souls. And those two souls are in a constant state of struggle. Um, because the godly soul wants us to be godly people, and the animal soul wants us to be animalistic people. And animal, animal is not bad necessarily, it's just self-centered. An animal an is not bad, a dog is not bad, a cat is not bad, a cow is not bad. It just is not spiritual, it's not holy. It's self-centered, it's just looking to take care of itself and have a good time and have pleasure. So we have that part of, a, of ourselves that's animalistic and all it wants is to have a good time. It's not bad. But we have the godly side of us. The godly side wants to connect to Hashem. It wants to be selfless, it wants to do what Hashem wants, it wants to do mitzvahs, it wants to learn Torah, etc. And that's the struggle of the souls. And that's what the al really works on throughout the book of Tanya. And he says that most people fall under the category of what he calls the benin. The Benini means the average person. And that's the person who's going to spend their life with some level of struggle. Because you have the tzaddik, The tzaddik is one, there's very few people who are real Tzadikim. Very few people have the ability to be real Tzadikim. The Tzadik is one who's able to get rid of the animal soul. They're only godly. That's all they care about, all they want, all they feel for, all they're interested in. Then you have the Russia, you have someone who's totally wicked, not looking for anything positive. The overwhelming majority of people fall in the middle. They struggle. They have feelings this way and feelings that way. There are days that they're up and days that they're down, moments this way, moments that way. It's the godly soul and the animal soul, and that's the struggle of life. And that's what really Dr. Rebbe describes throughout Tanya. In this particular chapter that we're beginning, with, is chapter 19, um, which is a continuation of 18, He talks about the concept that every Jew has a natural, inborn love for Hashem. And that comes from the very essence of our godly soul. We have a godly soul within ourselves, and therefore we have a natural love and desire to connect to Hashem. Now that natural desire is not always revealed, Um, it's not always something that uh, propels what we actually do, but it's always there. And that's what he starts discussing. We'll read from inside, again, Perik Yutes, on the bottom of page Chavdalit, or seventy-nine. Parakitas chapter 19. Well it is be or to add explanation to this that we're talking about the basic natural godly soul that there is within a yid. It says Sarakh Levir heitev. Obviously any questions please ask. Tsarakh right. Levir heitev. We have to explain well Mashakas of this that the Pasuk says, Neir Hashem Nishmas Odom. You have in English the um, source of that Pasuk? About near the, can, the, uh, the candle of Hashem is the soul of man. From Mishle, right? So that's Mishlei from Shlomo HaMelech. And he says that the candle of Hashem is the soul of man. Very interesting and powerful statement of Shlomo HaMelech. That a soul is compared to a candle. Why is that? And there's a number of explanations, given, a number of ideas behind that, why our soul is compared to a candle. Um, one interesting idea is that Hashem created a world, but this world is dark as far as spirituality is concerned. There isn't revealed godliness. But Hashem gave within each and every one of us a soul, and that soul is a candle. And those candles are to bring brightness and light to the world. And that's the job of a yid. The job of a Jew is to bring the light of Hashem, the light of, through Torah and Mitzvah, to the entire world. So that's one shot one idea. Here he talks about a different point. He says, "Pirush." this means, She a Ayid, hakruim Odom, they're called Odom. What does the word Odom mean? Yeah. Odom is man. But why does, where does the name come from, Odom? Crown, yeah. So the, the Torah, the Pasuk says, because he comes from Adama, from ground. That's one pshat. The yeah. shallah, the Shalah of Shaya Horowitz, um, in his foreign writes that it comes from also the concept of, of Adama, to be Doma, to be similar to. And because we have the godly soul, we carry a certain similarity to the godly. And that's why we're called Odom. So he says, Yisrael, the Jewish people are like Kruim Adam, which are called men. Um, because of this concept that there the is a certain comparison to, to, uh, to the godly. Nishmasam The neshama, the soul of man, can be compared to the candle, to the light of a candle. Shemisnaneya Tomid there's something unique about candlelight, about a fire. And that is a fire, if you look at it, it's always flickering upwards. And really, the fire always has to be held down. Right? If, you can't, if you put a fire on the table, it's, it's, either has to, it's got to hold on to something, like the wood of the table or, or a wick or oil. Otherwise, the fire goes up and it's gone, disappears. As soon as the oil runs out, as soon as the fuel runs out, the fire disappears. And that's unique to fire. Right, there's four basic elements we talk about, which are fire, water, uh, dirt, and ear. The only one that is, is always in a state of ascendancy is fire. So that's what it says, misnanea. The word misnanea is to. The exact translation of misnanea is to. Flicker, to, flicker to is that is the flicker. flicker okay. Upward, yeah. It's flickering upward. Yeah, with the lulav, we make nanuim. That's right. Also, the shaking. Same idea. Betiva is the nature of fire. Why is that? What's the reason? What's causing the fire to always be flickering upward? So it says, ha'ish. Because it's the fire, the light of the fire, beteva mehapsila. Fire, when you hold fire with a wick, you're really working against the fire. Fire naturally is looking to get out of here, to leave the wick. And the wick is sort of holding it down. It's like you're fastening it down with a seatbelt. Vilidovik bisharshay l'mayla. There is the root, that, now the is talking here about concepts that's brought on in Kabbalah. Um, I don't know the scientific um, way of understanding this, but he says that fire is looking for its root, the source where fire comes from. I think Rambam makes mention of this as well, that there's the foundation of fire from where all fire comes, and that's somewhere near the moon, somewhere in heaven. So the fire is always looking to go to its source and leave this world or leave whatever is holding its back, holding it back. As this is written and explained in the Eitz Chaim, the Eitz Chaim is one of the books of the Arizal, who we mentioned before. One of the Sfarim of the Arizal um, is the Eitz Chaim, written by the Arizal's disciple, Reb Chaim Vital. And the the Yitzchayim talks about this. He says that that's what's going on with fire. He He says that's what's going on with fire, that the fire is trying to head upward and leave the wick and go to its source. Now, what will happen, hypothetically, if the fire wins the battle? So we have the wick and the wick is holding the fire down and the fire wins the battle and leaves the wick and goes up. Does this fire remain in existence as a fire? No, it's extinguished. He says the af shall if the fire leaves the wick and flickers upward and it gets extinguished there's no fire left down here. bsharsha even wherever that fire ends up in its root above this the light of this fire will be totally lost totally bottled, totally nullified in its source nevertheless, This remains the natural desire of the fire. This is the metaphor. This is the concept. So he says like this. Okay, Shlomo Malach says, what's the best muscle? What's the best uh, metaphor for the soul? Is a candle. The candle of Hashem is the soul of man. Why a candle? So this is what the Tanya is telling us. What's unique about a candle is that the, the fire is looking to go back to its source and lose itself in its source. Be nullified in its source, and there won't be any fire left. And therefore, we have to work on keeping the fire down here. And again, as long as there's oil, the fire stays. The oil finishes, the fire is gone. The same is with our neshama. What does our neshama really want more than anything else? If 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 you give our soul a microphone, and say, talk, what do you want? The soul wants to go back to its source. What's its source? Hashem. The soul comes from Hashem, it's a part of Hashem. And the soul's desire is to go back up to Hashem and get lost there, so to speak. Meaning, the soul is not looking for a selfish gain. I want to have more this, or I want to be more spiritual, or I want to have Gan Eden. The soul really is not looking for Gan Eden. It's not looking for anything. The soul is looking to be connected, be one with its source, even at the extent of losing its own entity there. Right? Right? The truest form of love for something is when I want to be there. I want to be with it, even if I lose my own self. I don't. I'm not looking for myself. I'm looking for my union with that whom I love. Which, as far as the soul is concerned, is Hashem. So that's the connection, says the Tanya, between the soul and fire. Just like fire is looking to leave the wick, leaving the world and go to its source, even if there it's going to lose its own entity. In the same way, the soul, what the soul wants, is to depart from the body, reconnect to Hashem, and lose itself, so to speak, in its source. And that's how he continues. And he, you know, he, he first he described the analogy of the candle. Now he goes to the soul. He says, The same as with the soul of man. In the soul, there's different levels the is neshama and ruach and nefesh, who says really all parts of the soul, whether it's the neshama aspect or the ruach and nefesh, is cheftza v'cheshka, it's desire, it's what, what it's looking for, betiva by nature, is liparid v'latzes min haguf, the soul would love to leave the body, v'lidavik b'sharsha u'mekaira baHashem, and to cleave in its source and roots in Hashem, Chaye haChayim baruchu the source of all life, blessed be He. Hagam Shetia Ayin VeEphes. Even though when the soul will come now here in this world, the soul is a whole entity, a person, you know, this person, that person. Um, but when once the soul leaves and returns to its source, dear, it doesn't. It's not its own entity. V'tisvatal Shemim Mesius Lagamri, it loses its own, its own self, you know, self entity. And nothing will be left from the way the soul is when it is down here. Nevertheless, this remains the desire of the soul. The soul wants to connect to Hashem. So that's the, that's the opener of this period What is a soul? What is a soul looking for naturally, instinctually? The soul, or instinctively that is, the soul is looking to connect to Hashem at the risk of losing its own entity. And that's why Shleim HaMelech compares it to a fire. That's where you have the concept, anyone ever heard of the concept called kalos ha-nefesh? There's some. There's a concept of, that a person's soul is in such a state of desire and union that the soul leaves the body and a person can die. Anyone knows anyone like that? No? One? You heard of anyone like that in history? Who? They
1: actually live or they die? That they died. It to the, it the changed, sheep, think,
0: right? Similar, similar. It
1: happens to everybody who dies. Well, everybody dies at some point, <laughs> but that too, that's for different reasons.
0: But you're talking about something else. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about someone because of, the, uh, like because of, of the, the, the desire of the soul to connect to Hashem, the soul just leaves the body. A person's soul is in such a state of spiritual uh, excitement or whatever we're looking for, so it leaves. So it's interesting. Who are two tzaddikim who passed away in the Torah? Not of avi, right? On the day that the Mishkan was consecrated, so Aaron's two sons, they go into the Kodesh HaKadashim and they die. And the Torah is very unclear what happened there. Why did they die? Where it says? a fire comes forth from Hashem, and their souls go away. In fact, even though the Torah says that a fire um, killed them, but their bodies stay whole because it says right after that the bodies were taken out and they were buried. So why did they die? So there's different, like in every Uri and Torah, you have different explanations, different mefarshim. But one of the great mefarshim on Chumash is the Or HaChaim, right? In, in your in a classical Chumash, you have the Or HaChaim, who was a um, lived in the same time as the Baal Shem Tov. and his was one of the greatest commentaries on Chumash. And he writes at length that they were such great tzaddikim, and this was a day of such spiritual revelation that their souls were so inspired that in their, in, their, in their love and desire to connect to Hashem, they went into the holiest place and their souls just went straight up to Hashem. So it doesn't
1: say something about a korban zar or something?
0: Right. So it says that that, so the Pasik says, bakrivam carbon korban which is very, so that's where all Mufarshan go off. Which korban did they bring and why would they bring it and so on? So the way the Arkham explains it, that it was a korban zar because it was bringing themselves closer to Hashem in a way that Hashem doesn't ultimately want from us. Hashem doesn't want us to be so spiritually excited that our soul leaves our body. Because he created us to be a soul in a body, he created us to be in this world, so it was considered a sin on their behalf that they let their spirituality get 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 um, get the best of them, so to speak, and leave them. Um, but that's their their chaim, right? So he writes it at length. He goes. It's a lengthy piece of aracham if you look into chumash mikroayes in the beginning of Parshish, um Or the Ashkelacham sure will have it there as well. I'm sure we'll have it. Every, you know, every becomes a whole set when it's translated. That's correct. That's correct. Interestingly, the Balsham it's, it's, it's brought down that the Baal Shem Tov would sometimes before he went to Shul to Daven, he would bid his family farewell. He says, I don't know if after today's Davening, I'll make it back, <laughs> make it back alive. Because, you know, the, uh, the Baal Shem Tov said that the fact that a person remains alive after the inspiration of Davening is, is miraculous. You know, some people feel the fact that they remain awake after davening yeah. is very yeah. miraculous. You know, I guess it depends how you daven, but the balshemt of davening was such that it was such a state of spiritual exhilaration that the soul just wanted, you know, like you know, you read the pesukim and teilim. Like some nafshi, my, my soul is thirsting for you. Thirsting, talking to Hashem. That my, this, you have to understand, our soul is in our body. Our body eats food and has a good time. The soul does not looking for these things. The soul is looking for Hashem. For the soul, it's like being in a desert, being in a body, and it's some it's it's thirsting, it's desiring to connect to Hashem.
1: So, I have a question. What, what differentiates the soul or the spiritual aspects of things that are attracted to being nullified <laughs> before Hashem and the klipos or the klipos noga stuff? Why doesn't that, why doesn't, doesn't everything want to ultimately just revert back to its source? Is that sort of like,
0: Right, So that's a good question. So the answer is because Hashem, the word klipa itself, what does klipa mean? The actual literal word means a shell. That means that it it covers over what's inside of it. Because everything comes from Hashem. The worst things in the world also come from Hashem. The question is how deeply Hashem is covered and concealed in that area. So the soul, when we're talking about the soul, we're talking about something that's godly, not concealed, where the godliness is revealed. So the soul who has this revealed state of godliness feels that. And if it feels that, that's all it wants. The more, the more godliness is concealed, the less we're going to feel it. So once we get to the person level, on a regular person, so our soul is very, very concealed. So therefore we might know about Hashem, and we might get inspired from time to time, but very unlikely that we'll get inspired to this level that we're discussing here, of just this desire of being lost in godliness. But at the soul level, if you're able to, again, if you're able to zoom in on the actual soul, which there's no concealment at all and it's connected to Hashem and feels that connection, so that's what it's looking for. But
1: even the klipa itself is a creation from
0: Hashem. Everything is. Everything is ultimately a creation from Hashem. The question is, how covered is Hashem in that creation? Um, According to Kabbalah, it's all about this one word that you read about over and over and it's called simsum, which is contraction or concealment. And, all creation is levels of Hashem's concealment, even angels. Um, there's different levels of angels. You know, how, how much um, revealed divinity is there and how much less divinity is there. Rambam writes in his book of Allah, there's 10 levels of angels and the levels that are closer to Hashem or there's more godliness revealed in them, less and less and less. And then there's people and then there's animals and then there's different types of people and so on and so forth. So it's so all so, levels so, of concealment. So in,
1: its, in its essence, essentially has no... Self has no individuality.
0: In its very earliest form.
1: I'm saying what you're talking about, if it wants to go back to Hashem, well, well, I guess what well, I guess the question I'm asking is what defines you as you? Who are you at right. the end of the day? When you peel it all away, are you your soul or are you a clippa on top of your soul?
0: <laughs> it's a very good question. <laughs> the answer is there's two souls within us there's a godly soul and there's an animal soul. And those two souls are living in a body, which is a third entity. Right? The body is a physical entity. A very you know, It's a body, something that we can touch. So we have a body, which in, as far as the body is concerned, we're just like an animal. also has a body. And in that body, there's two souls. There's the animal soul, which is the vital soul that we're alive, like any, like any living organism, any living being. And then there's a piece of God that Hashem invested within each and every one of us. But that piece of God itself is very layered, even that piece of Hashem, because there's the essence of that soul, and then there's the different soul powers, and we learned earlier. So even the godly soul itself is very, very layered. But at the very root of the soul, it's a part of Hashem that that part of Hashem was given my name and was shipped into me. In order. Are all the different millions of forms that there are, but there should be millions, right? That it's a, that it's a, that it's a, uh, common, all of it is a combination towards, uh, towards Hashem's, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, revelation, revelation, to, to re- revealing it. that that is what, that is what is unique, that your role,
1: that, that is what makes a unique. Say it <laughs> <laughs> that, they, 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 that they are unique yeah. in order to perform some role to bring about the re- revelation.
0: Right, because each soul has its own job and mission. Right, like your the, so, that piece but of soul have, that wants to go back to God. That 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 piece of that part of God was the 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 kind part or the or the caring part or the or the tough part. And like that is that. Like, is I just it. want
1: to say. Then what's the point? Like, if the goal is ultimately to have Hashem revealed, right? Then, we, then ultimately the goal is for us all to go back there and be nullified before Hashem. Not, not,
0: be not really, not really. For Hashem to be here in this world. We're not going up, He's coming down. Words, it's not that, it, the, the, ultimate, the ultimate goal is not that this world should stop existing. The ultimate goal is that this world should keep on existing and Hashem should be fully revealed in this world as it is. Now, the, when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be a different world. It's going to be the same world and the same, whatever you see today, you'll see then. Um, except that it's going to be a world in which Hashem will not be any more hidden over and camouflaged. And there will be a revelation of Hashem in this world through all of our Torah and mitzvahs and good deeds in this world for these thousands of years.
1: So I understood, and maybe I'm wrong, is that I thought the Mashiach thing was a transitory period. I thought it was the the, the, the corridor to get to Aden, basically.
0: So you're going off into, this can, this is a whole topic for okay, so itself, but, to but I'll just, I'll just I'll deal with it in, in 30 seconds, and that is that you're going into one of the greatest debates in Jewish theology of great Torah um, um, uh, authorities. There is an opinion that says what you said, that becomes Mashiach, and then we'll go to Israel, and then and ultimately it becomes will become souls without bodies and becomes a a different type of situation. There is such an opinion. In fact, Maimonides is of that opinion. However, Nachmanides, Ramban disagrees with that, and Hasidus and Kabbalah side with Nachmanides, that the ultimate goal is in this world, and that the ultimate goal is revelation of Hashem in this world, souls within bodies, and that's why there's a resurrection of the dead, and this is the world that Hashem wanted where He should call home. So that becomes the majority opinion and the definitely the opinion that all Kabbalah and Hasidus is going to follow, which is more rooted in Nachmanides than Maimonides. So you gave a good pitch for Maimonides there.
1: No, I, <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was a nat, like a natural phenomenon. It sort of first, makes sense, right. And then it transitions into something that's more supernatural
0: right, at this point. Right, But Hasidus takes the other, the other view. And that, and that is the world stays a natural world. And Hashem comes into this world. It's a natural world where Hashem is revealed and goodness uh, reigns supreme. But like, I guess also,
1: do you have a cure? Is there? That, how do you have individuality? If you don't have,
0: okay, so that's a different. You know, sorry, that's that's really very different that. type of question. What's the Avodah going to be like then? Like things, it's so hard for us to imagine that because we're so used to this way of being, where there's a struggle and there's a fight and right. there's godliness and this. So what's going to be? What's the world going to look like when godliness will will be the will be supreme? What What are we going to keep busy with? Okay, that's a different type of a question, which I'm not going to deal with now. Um, You know, whenever I don't know the answer, I say it's beyond the scope of this lecture. That's a typical, you know, way out way out of the
1: situation. (laughs) Well, it's beyond the scope. Specifically, I think to use a sort of a ceiling that we want to strive to achieve, not necessarily to comprehend or
0: understand, or be able to say this is how it's going to be. It is the work by which. It is something that, that we use. The ladder by which we use to climb to get there, and that's yeah. all. you know, is like that a what it moving ceiling? <laughs> it, it, it is a moving
1: ceiling, right? That the ceiling continues to yeah, uh, like that game. <laughs> grow and expand,
0: and that is and that, that's that's the point. As the world grows and expands, the population, the people, and and, the, and all the it grows and expands. The ceiling, oh, it does, it does it's not stagnant by any stretch by
1: any stretch. That's a cool <laughs> but it, it continues to expand. That's the thing soon. It
0: continues. It, it continues. Okay. Okay. Um, Yes?
1: So we were saying before, um, I like the question. So like, every, like you were saying, everything is created creation of Hashem. So let's say the body. So it, it seemed like, seemingly if you go deep enough, it also would want something in the general one,
0: no? Possibly. But the way Hashem created it is that a body doesn't feel that way. In other words, yeah, you're right. Everything at some deeper level, you get to the essence, you get to the core, there's Hashem everywhere. But ultimately, Hashem created most things in this world that don't feel spirituality and don't even know about spirituality. And then He gave us that soul, which is that spiritual part within ourselves, that that should become our guide and our spiritual um, compass. And that's going to teach us and is going to bring our body and make it more spiritual and more refined and so on and so forth. So that place of spirituality has its own properties. And its essential property is that it wants to be connected to Hashem. Now, it's important to note, and this is an important point here, the soul, all it wants is to connect to Hashem. Now, that's a very spiritual want, but that's not what Hashem wants of it. Because Hashem doesn't want the soul to disappear and go back to Hashem. Hashem wants the soul to be down here.
1: So it's basically like, He puts the the, the engine inside the flesh bag to keep it moving like...
0: But not just, just keeping it moving; it's to it's to teach it, to educate it, to refine it, to make it something holy, right? You know, ha- Hashem so that like,
1: that's what saying. So, how holy can you get it? Like, if it's if it's on its own, it can't do it can't. It's it's complete. It's it's somehow the, wrapped in this klepa that doesn't allow it to feel spirituality. So, Hashem then takes a piece of himself, so to speak, puts it inside, and now there's this driving force to 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 even leave to, to leave the body. So it pulls this body, this whole physicality thing up. Right. So that's, but you don't want to release it. You want to keep it in the body so that you Because we
0: want here. that the body ultimately be refined. Now here's the thing which connects to what you're asking and there's the body has some spirituality in it essentially. So the soul is really helping the body find what it essentially can connect to on its own. Right? It's not as if Hashem takes a part of godliness and puts it into a body that has no connection to godliness. Everything has godliness within it. But in everything, the godliness is very, very hidden, very covered over. So Hashem sends that soul, and that soul is there in order to awaken and to find and refine. The holiness that's within everything in this world, ultimately, that everything contains on its own.
1: So, so you a rudimentary question, and then I'll, I'll, leave, I'll let you keep continue. This is my last question. <laughs> question can can we have it on? in
0: writing? <laughs> <laughs> which nice. is... Okay, you know, no, you were recorded there. Okay, so
1: it's <laughs> okay. my last question from tonight, which is, what it, why is it so important that the body be refined? Ultimately, what's, what is the, why does God care? Why do we, should we care? I know Hashem said so. So if that's the answer, that's fine. But I'm saying, why, what does God care if this physical body gets, whatever, spiritualized? That, that's, that's rudimentary. I'm afraid to ask him what he's <laughs> <laughs> Well, it seems like basic. It seems like the no, it's, it's a,
0: it's a, it's a, it's a great question. question. <laughs> and it's, it, it, the answer to that question is really the answer. To why Hashem created a physical world. In other words, Hashem could have just created a world of souls, a world of angels. And clearly the whole purpose of everything was to create something that's very physical and very materialistic and very material and to bring godliness there. So if the soul is perfect and the body is imperfect, then the purpose of creation has not been reached. Hashem created a physical world. Heaven, earth, animals. He created a very physical world. And he wanted to dwell in that physical world. And he sent candles or souls into that physical world to work with the physical world and make for Hashem a physical dwelling place. Now, ultimately, why did Hashem have such an odd desire? Ultimately, the answer is that's Hashem's desire. But Hasidus and Kabbalah has a lot to say about what the advantages are. When godliness is in the physical, over when it's merely in the spiritual, the body contains a certain strength and a certain God given strength that even the soul doesn't have. When the body becomes spiritual, then the body is holier than the soul that made it spiritual for a number of reasons. For a number of reasons, there's a certain essential part of Hashem that's invested in the physical that can only be elicited through the soul, working with the body, that the soul and the soul will never get there. It's almost like, I'll give a very, very, you talk talking about rudimentary, a very simplistic thing. Sometimes you have the biggest, but in a very simple way. Sometimes the biggest troublemaker in the classroom is the one who can do the most phenomenal things. I'm not, I'm not pointing <laughs> fingers, right? Because because there's something very powerful in that troublemaker. Now, on his own, the troublemaker is going to destroy the school. But if you have the right teacher who can turn on the biggest troublemaker, that troublemaker is going to do a lot better for society and for everyone else than the wonderful student. Because there's something there in that where all that trouble comes from, a certain power, a certain passion, whatever it is, that... Perhaps the best students of God don't have it. And Kabbalah says that in the animal, in the body, in the physicality, there's a certain passion that comes from a certain spiritual great plateau that when that's brought out in Kedusha, then that's more powerful than the Kedusha of the soul. There's a measure that says that when Mashiach will come, the soul will be fed, will receive the sustenance from the body. It says nowadays the body is fed from the soul. The body lives off the soul. Ultimately, the soul will receive life from the body, which means that there's a certain level of holiness and spiritual power in the body that the soul doesn't have. But the soul, on the other hand, has to elicit it, has to refine it in order to find it. So there's this, this, this. Uh, you know, Hashem created a perfect world. Hashem, you know, Hashem knows what He's doing, and He created a situation with bodies and physical and material, and that's the basis of this world, and souls that are sent in this world in order to bring in kedusha, but Kedush, and reveal the kedusha that's within the body and within the animal and within the world, so that ultimately that world can be the best dwelling place for Hashem. It's um, interesting that the as I mentioned, wrote a lot right before he passed away. And he was, uh, that's a whole part of history itself. Dal was running from Napoleon before he passed away. You aware of that? He had, um, this is, I don't know, 200 and something years ago, and he had the great war between Napoleon and, and Russia, and the Tsarist Russia. And there was a big debate amongst the Tsadikim of the time who to pray for, who's better for the Jews. Because Russia was always bad for the Jews as far as they had to live in ghettos and there was all types of restrictions. Napoleon promised emancipation, and the Jews can do whatever they want. So many said that he felt Napoleon is a, is a godsend, it's the best thing for the Jewish people. The al felt no. He, he says, you've got to pray for the czar. The worst thing is that Napoleon will win, because Napoleon will free us physically, but it will be, it'll be the end of a spiritual. It will be total assimilation and, and everything. And the al Rebbe for the czar, not just davened. he sent his Hasidim to be spies for the czar. He really got involved. He got some of his greatest chassidim. There's a lot of stories about it, and they actually worked for the czar and the czar's army. And at the beginning, Napoleon was able to invade into Russia and was able to get pretty deep into it. And he had he knew about the Alter Rebbe was a very famous person, and he knew the Alter Rebbe was working for the czar, and he was after him. And the Alter Rebbe was escaping Napoleon with so like, so like 60 wagon loads of chassidim. They were escaping, and during that escape, the Al Rebbe passed away. He was 68 years old. He was an old man. But in the last days of his life, he wrote a lengthy Hasidic discourse, one of the deepest that we have from him. It's actually section 20 in the fourth book of Tanya. And the, that, the, the essence of that discourse is to explain why the ultimate Kedusha lies in gashmis in the physical. That the greatest level of, of divinity is only in the physical, and that's why all mitzvahs have to be done with something physical, and that's why the ultimate purpose and goal of creation is to refine the physical, because only there is where the very essence of Hashem can be revealed. That's what he wrote. That was the last days of his life, and that's Simen Chav. It's uh, part 20 of Geresh Sekodesh, and the letters the together. Yeah? Um, so he said that, that essentially it's just, like we, miss don't, the we don't know the reason
1: that we should find the body like another,
0: okay. like, essentially it's just like a time clock. okay so like like like, like how how can oh, you of, some ice okay how do we like how do we like go about our whole life
1: and like try like, to understand a if it like the essence is like we don't like know why we do anything
0: no what we don't know is Hashem is perfect why does Hashem need anything like what you No. Know, why does Hashem need anything ultimately Hashem desired to have a world and desired to have us and desired to give us and so on and so forth but what he desired and the building blocks of how it works all of Hasidus explains you know we don't just say we don't know and that's it you know at a certain point ultimately Hashem wanted but what he wanted and how he set it up and what we're accomplishing by doing that all of that we have so much explaining to us right of course at, at some point Hashem wants you know like everyone at some point I want something but what I want and how I want is so worked out and so explained so much to learn. Okay, let's let's cover on a little bit more. Ah, he says a very interesting thing here. So it's, it's a good thing to finish with. He says, "Okay, so what does the soul want?" We said the soul wants to just connect to Hashem and just get lost in Hashem. Why does it want that? He says, "Why does one?" It it? He says, "Because that's the nature of the soul." Okay, what does nature mean? Whenever you say that's the nature of something, what's the Hebrew word for nature? Teva. teva. What is Teva? Okay, we say, why does the sun rise in the east and uh, set in the west? Because that's its nature. And what, it's, what does that mean? And who made the nature? God. God. Nature means that we don't have any logic that makes, that it may, decided to do that. You know, the sun didn't decide today to... Uh, to rise in the East because you know thought the East is a good place to rise from. The rules
1: are laws. I mean they're set in put their axioms. They're
0: they're rules and laws that are beyond our understanding. Those, sometimes people say, you know, it's not God, it's nature. What does nature mean? That something happens every day? <laughs> nature means that I don't know. It just happens that there's someone who made that rule or something that created a rule, and therefore this happens. It's interesting, the word nature is in Hebrew teva. Teva also means to be covered over. Like we say by in, um, in Az Yashar, tubu bayamsa, if they drowned in the sea, tubu, to be covered with water, is also teva. When something is covered over, so I don't know what it is, where it is, where, it is, where it's coming from, that's its nature. And that's what he says here. Um, I'm not sure which word did we get to. He says, even though it's going to lose its whole essence, Right, we read this, The first word of the line is betiva. This is its desire by nature. This nature, It's really a borrowed term. Anything that happens, not because of logic, not because I, I decided to do that because it makes sense. Why do I do this? Because it's my nature. That means I didn't decide to do it. It doesn't make sense for me to do it. That's my name. I just do it because I do it. Vigam Khan. So here too, when we're talking about the soul, Hakavana, the the um, the the intention is ze benefesh. This desire that there is in the soul of each and every one of us. And this is a very important Tanya idea. What connects a Yid to their Yiddishkeit is not merely logical. No, because it makes sense, because I figured it out, therefore I want to be a Jew, or therefore I want to connect to Hashem, or therefore I want to have be part of the continuation of the Jewish people. Our connection to who we are is not based on logic, it's our nature. Again, is nature a good thing, is it a bad thing? It's a nature, it is who we are. Our soul wants to connect to Hashem because that's the nature of the soul of a yid. It's beyond understanding. It's not logical. That is the level of chachma of the soul. Within which a, a part of the infinite of Hashem resides. And therefore, one will say, A candle, it doesn't make sense that you should leave your wick. If you leave your wick, you're not going to exist anymore. You know, No one's going to see you. So what would the candle answer? Sorry, that's my nature. My nature is to do something that's perhaps illogical. The nature of Yidin is to do something that's illogical, which is why, and we're we're not going to get to that tonight, tonight, but hopefully next week or the following week, which is why one of the things that Jewish people have done historically is Give their lives not to disconnect from Hashem. And we're talking about by thousands and throughout the generations. And this is a historical thing about the Jewish people. That we've been persecuted and time and time again in so many different ways. And so many times we were given the choice. Just, you know, just renounce your Yiddishkeit or be killed. And we have thousands and thousands or tens of thousands throughout the generations who said, I'll die. And we're not talking about rabbis and scholars and prophets. We're talking about the regular people, the regular Yidden. Now, that's not logical. Where did that come from? The answer is because that's the nature of the yid. That's the nature of the neshama, which is not based on logic, not based on understanding. And that's the um, opener of this parik. And it says this is what Shlomo Malach meant when he said that our soul is like a candle. Again, the candle is unique with that that not understood desire to get lost, to leave. And just connect to above, and that's within the soul, within within the neshama of every yid. Um, I think we'll stop here in the Tanya, and to get, we'll continue from there next week. But we have a, a two three minutes. I'll tell you. I'll tell you my. I'll tell you a story. Typically, we remember the story is as good as the Tanya, right? Um, so this is a story that just happened. Two weeks ago on Sukkot, You were Sukkot in Israel, are you right? hmm I see. did mine also record till now? Um yeah. I did. Mine actually unfortunately
1: cut out.